This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Gaps uh, where we are on the puck, giving them less time and space. Regroups, getting the puck, uh, moving north quickly. D zone, breaking the puck out, making the right plays, moving our feet, rolling the zone, push the D back, give, uh, give our forwards a little more space. Uh, just little things like that. You know, we're not reinventing the wheel, but we're just touching up on uh, some things. Don't get too down if, if we get scored on. And it doesn't matter who gets the first goal. We just got to keep plugging away to play the way we, we know we can play. And, you know, we spare fruit uh, early on. You know, in the home stand against uh, Colorado, we, you know, found ways to, to, to bounce back from when they, uh, you know, took the lead early in the third. So uh, we know we have the abilities to, to, to bounce back. It's just a matter of, you know, doing it. Yeah, Syracuse has been good lately. Our team has been really well. I've been playing with some good guys and uh, just feel like I've been skating well and having the puck a lot. And I feel like the bounces have been uh, on my side for sure and I've been scoring a lot lately. So just going to try and keep that momentum up and do what I can up here. You know, there's games you look back at the tape and sometimes you leave the game and you feel like it just didn't go well for us. Then you watch the tape and you're like, wow, we were much better than I thought. And that was a little bit of the Ottawa game. It's just the freebies we gave up. You know, good teams in this league will capitalize on that and that's what we did. But overall, our game, there was a lot of things we liked. And But at this time of the year, it's what have you done for me lately and when you come to these games with no points it just magnifies what's happening tonight and uh, so it's a big one for us this is like this is a playoff game what a playoff game playoffs yeah you hate that don't you can it's too strong of a word you are you are not a fan of the pulling out the old playoff game comparison when it's regular season i mean we've said it on the show I think we did. We mention the Colorado game, maybe the Panther game. I think the Colorado game we talked about, like the intensity. Well, it can be like a playoff game. I think what he is saying, though, is that this game has the importance, the level of importance puts it into the category of a playoff game. Yeah. I'm not sure you are. You're buying that based on your. (laughs) I mean. The you noises that came from your mouth when you I heard that. I understand. I, look, I, I it's understand. It's a four-point game. It's, uh, look, it's a big game. I did say earlier in the week, I include the Philly game. The next four, if the Lightning do well in them, mm-hmm. I think they will take a big step forward toward clinching a playoff spot. Not that they're going to clinch a playoff spot. Not that they can't give back the ground that they would have gained. And look, if they, let's just say for the sake of argument, they go two and two, but the teams that they beat are maybe a little bit closer to them, I would rather have that, honestly, than than beating the two teams that might be farther down, right? Although they're all very close and, and bunched together. So I believe that. I believe that the the next three and especially especially the next three and the next four if you include philly which is in third place in the metro but certainly in jeopardy of falling out of third place and potentially being in the mix with the lightning for one of these wild card spots if the lightning can can cash in they will put some distance between themselves and the teams behind them now if they lose some of these games they lose most of these games it's not the end of the world but it just means that things are going to get even more complicated Things have gotten complicated because they've lost the last two in regulation. When you hear a coach say that, we often haven't heard that kind of language from John Cooper during the regular season. When you hear him say that, 
Does that give us a little more of an indication of kind of how the season has played out to this point? In other words, it's another way of saying, look, we just these games matter a little bit because we're we're not pulling away and we're a little inconsistent. Am I reading too much into that, or do you just think, Dave, he's like, this is a big game? I think he wants he wants to emphasize the importance of this game. It is a very important game. If they lose it, Greg, they will have gone one and three on this homestand. Yeah, I know. And they've been heading big, out on the road where they've yeah. not been a strong team this year. And the the games they have coming up. Washington tonight, Islanders Saturday afternoon, Devils Sunday afternoon, and then Tuesday at Philly are all teams around them in in this playoff push mix in the East. Yeah. It's a very important game. Now, this is not a must win. It's not like game seven of a playoff series. Yeah. But I think... He wants to he wants to ensure that his players are treating this with the same level of intention, attention and intensity as they would a playoff game. Maybe that's the way to put it. But like, do you agree we haven't really heard that from him this late in the season during the regular no, season we over the last few years? And is that an indication though of a bigger I don't want to say problem? But just, you know, this year has been a little more inconsistent, for sure, than the other years. And he's trying to grab their attention in some way. And with his his dialogue to the media, we have seen the line shuffling more yes. so maybe this year than any. And we're going to probably see that again tonight. It, it just... it I, Look, it's not unusual because I think we have talked about this year has been up and down more than any other year. And I think some of the things coming out of the players' mouths, their play, probably the biggest thing, and the coaching staff with what we just heard there, I think reaffirms that take. That maybe they internally have a few more questions about this team. And the fact that they're talking about a game against the Washington Capitals is a playoff-like game. It's just one of those things you're not used to hearing the Tampa Bay Lightning say in the regular season. Because what what have I told you, at least my belief, and I think the players and coaching staff believe this as well for the most part, it doesn't matter where you finish, just get in. And I think that mentality is because the Lightning feel like they have the team that can roll through the playoffs if things go right. I think when you say things like, this is a playoff game, to some extent, I think you're trying to figure out who is your team still? Who is your team? Well, look, when the Lightning went 8-1, and one, their standings position got a little more secure. But now going 3-4 and four out of the bye week and losing the last two in regulation, the ground has gotten a little more unsteady. And I think Coop wants to ensure that it doesn't get even more unsteady. We've seen teams spiral. It has not happened to the Lightning. They have avoided any kind of a lengthy losing streak. Their longest streak this year was four consecutive losses, which is not great, but, I mean, other teams have had worse. And they've avoided a stretch of, like, two and eight, right? (laughs) They've avoided that as well. This is teetering a little bit. So it's, it's, it's a combination, Greg, of the fact that their game has been the, their game has not been where it was before the bye. 
and their record is three and four. In addition to that, the teams they are playing coming up all have an opportunity to gain ground on the Lightning and make their their standings position even more unsteady. I think it's a combination of those two things. I would agree. Now, look, the other clip he said he felt after watching the video of the Ottawa game, he liked it more watching it on video than he did seeing it live. I didn't watch it on video. I assume you didn't either, Greg. I didn't think they did enough in that game. But he's the head coach, and, and, you know, he's looking at things from his perspective, what he wants from his team. He acknowledged that they had some egregious mistakes that turned out to be very costly. And they only scored two, but it's not like he felt they, they generated a fair amount of pressure. I, I am more in the camp of Ottawa defended really well. I'm not sure how many grade-A chances the Lightning were actually able to, to produce and make Anton Forsberg uncomfortable and make him make saves. Let's see if they can do a better job in that regard. Tonight against a team, Washington, by the way, John Walton, their longtime radio voice, will be joining us in about 15 minutes or so. Washington, for much of the year, was a team that was a top 10 defensive team but had massive trouble scoring. I would say over the last several weeks, it hasn't been a week, but it hasn't been two months either, they've scored more and they've allowed more. So defensively, they are down to 15th, and they are allowing more than three goals per game on average. That is a that is an increase, essentially. Like, they're allowing more now. They're still 30th in offense, but there's no doubt that they're scoring more. And it starts with number eight. Eights are wild, by the way. He's got eight goals in his last eight games for number eight. And he's up to 16 goals on the year. So as they have gotten leakier defensively a little bit, they're, they're offsetting that by scoring a little bit more. But their DNA as a team this year, the reason why they are in the mix to make the playoffs, as we speak with, they have 28 games left in the regular season, they've held the other team's goal total down. So if I'm the Lightning, I'm forgetting what has been happening in recent weeks for Washington where they've had some fours and fives and sixes against and say we need to be committed to having lots of ozone time and directing pucks to the net. Unclear if it's Kemper or Lindgren starting tonight. They've kind of been doing a, a rotation. As, as I speak, I mean, the Caps are having an optional skate, so maybe it's obvious who's starting. But Lindgren played the last game, so if, if they're alternating, it would be Darcy Kemper's turn. But whoever is in net, they both played well this year. Their numbers are good for Washington. Something you had mentioned that for a while there, defensively, that's how Washington was winning a lot of games. Yes. And in some ways, that's how they're going to have to do it. I they think. still have a a really ugly goal differential. Yeah, for sure. Even having beaten the Devils 6-2 for a yep. plus four last game. Yeah. So in a way, sure. they're as confounding as Pittsburgh, which is in the other direction. Pittsburgh and Washington are basically right next to each other in the standings. But one team has been quite good in terms of the goal differential, and the other team has been horrendous with the goal differential. (laughs) But they're basically tied, essentially, in the standings, which doesn't make a lot of sense. You figure Pittsburgh would be higher and Washington would be lower based on that stat. But you're still scoring more than you're allowing, right? 
Well, you are, but that power play, I, I, I'll i go back to it. When we've talked about this. Like they, It needed it to be in the top 10 in their special teams, and that power play is atrocious. Yeah. It's cost them games. It's and I wonder how games. much Pittsburgh benefited. What did they beat San Jose? 11 nothing in that game earlier this yeah, year? Might have been right. That yeah. might have helped their goal differential, yeah. too. It could have been, for sure. Well, it's interesting. By the way, I, I want to give you props and I don't know if you read it or it was just stuff you were saying. You might have been seeing it, but it's kudos to you for bringing it to the show. I want to say Pierre Lebrun had Noah Hannafin not going to the Lightning, but they're they're looking at him. He just wonders if they have the assets to pull it off. Yeah. Well, the, that's basically what he was saying. Hannafin's name has been thrown out there. Yeah. But I mean, he was, it, it, it felt like that was a little more targeted to the Lightning. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you saw well, out there if that was like they were putting two and two together, but it was more of like, okay, we're coming up with nine. This one, I mean, when, when he reports something, you feel like it's pretty accurate. Yeah. So this didn't come from me. I mean, I just, I saw that Hannafin's name was out there. And as it stands right now, look, the Lightning lost a left handed defenseman, Sergachev, to a serious injury. And they have the cap space now because he's on LTIR. So it would make sense that they would be interested in Noah Hannafin. And as we talked about, they can make the money work. I just don't know if they can make the trade work. I have subsequently seen a report, and I think, I don't know, it was Pierre, Frank Saravalli maybe had it, that Hannafin reportedly expressed an interest in playing for the Lightning, either through a trade or free agency. Now, I don't know how accurate that is. And it may not make a difference because Calgary holds the cards as far as where they would want to trade him. But as we said, for players with no trade clauses or partial no trade clauses, I don't think there are many players that would reject a trade to the Lightning. For all of the reasons Why that would are you? obvious. Exactly. Competitive team, warm weather city, no state give all income the reasons, tax. Right? No state I mean, income yeah, tax. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, right, right. I give it. me a reason why you wouldn't want to go to the Lightning, unless you're you're going to say opportunity. But for a guy like Hannafin, you would come to the Tampa. Yeah, Bay I mean, he's I mean, there's get an no reason you wouldn't, unless you don't like hot weather. There's no reason why you wouldn't. Then you can you can go somewhere else for the summer, right? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, Tampa Bay is in a it's in a really good spot, right? Yeah, in terms of bringing people in to want to play it again, this is the the benefit of of winning as as long as they have. People were still looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning as a perennial powerhouse. Again, some years better than others. I, I want to reiterate that point to our fans because I, I think in many ways, Dave, you can make a case not with as much success. The Capitals were a little bit like the Lightning right now a few years ago Mm -hmm. they were the dominant team in the east along with pittsburgh now washington didn't win as many cups but what did what did we discuss on this show that eventually that's going to change like pittsburgh and washington got older they're kind of fringe playoff teams and the lightning are kind of that new blood in the east you know the panthers i think are are knocking down that door you have some other teams who boston kind of hangs around but I think the Lightning are still in the middle of that that march of being really a, not a playoff team because you can make an argument Washington and Pittsburgh there there's maybe a playoff team here and there. I don't think anybody questions the Lightning are a playoff team. It's do you have enough to win a cup? Yeah. Every year is going to be different, 
But the Lightning are still in that conversation of a handful of teams in the East where you could sit there and say, if the Lightning won the Stanley Cup this year, would you be shocked? And I think some would look at the regular season and say, you know, based off of the regular season, but then they would quickly come back to, wow, they just, they got a lot of guys who've done it. They've got winners. They've got Hall of Famers. So no, I wouldn't be surprised because Andre Vasilevsky, you still have him in net. So I, I think if you said it about the Washington Capitals or the Pittsburgh Penguins, do you think they'll win the cup this year? Would you be surprised? You'd say, heck yeah. I don't, I, we're still not at that, that level with, with the lightning. Although understanding the, the year has been, again, we talked about it more up and down yeah. than we can remember in years past. Well, look, we mentioned Hannafin. He would, he would require a lot going mm-hmm. back. There are yeah. other players who fit the same role in terms of the position, left-handed defenseman, because that's where the Lightning lost a player to injury, Sergachev, who don't have the same pop as a Hannafin. There are guys out there, and there's a guy on Washington, actually, Joel Edmondson. That would require the Caps to basically, I think, raise the white flag if things don't go as well for them in the next couple of weeks. Edmondson mm-hmm. is on an expiring contract. He only makes 1.75. So yep. that would not take a lot to get Joel Edmondson. And people might sure. say, well, why would you want Joel Edmondson? Well, Joel Edmondson has had several deep playoff runs, and he has won a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. He got to the final in 2021 with Montreal when they lost – to the Lightning, if I'm remembering right. Pretty sure he was, I mean, he played in Montreal. I'm pretty sure that he was he was with them when that happened. And he has a lot of experience. Is he is he Hannafin? No. But maybe you can't afford Hannafin. <laughs> maybe you can't give yeah. the team that is trading Hannafin the assets that they want. So instead you got a guy who's making a lot less, who's more of a depth player, but a guy who can really help your team. And I'm not saying that they're going to go inquire him, but there are players like him out there, right? So it doesn't have to be a swing for the fences type of move. And Julian, I'm sure, is is taking all of that into account. Takes two to tango, though. You and, have to. and if the other team is like, we want a first-round pick, too bad. <laughs> Lightning don't have a first-round pick this year or next year. And if that's, that's going to be what it's going to take to get a deal done, they just don't have they don't have that available. Yep. No, I, I for sure. That that's why we've made that that conversation or that discussion centering around they may not have the draft capital, but they may have still assets in the form of players who are younger that could go back and be a tight enticing. I mean the. Do you get the sense, and maybe it's because of a strict salary cap, and especially one that hasn't gone up over the last couple of years in particular, do you feel like teams covet the draft picks more, or do you think it's a case-by-case basis? It depends on the GM, I think. Clearly, Julian Julian Breezebaugh does not put any extra emphasis on draft picks. And, and what he has said is, as it relates to the Lightning, where they are as an organization and trying to win a Stanley Cup, it's like a draft pick is, is capital. <laughs> cap space is capital. Prospects are capital. It's like he has all of this capital in different forms. And what he really said, especially when, when 
the Lightning acquired Brandon Hagel. I remember he said this when they acquired Brandon Hagel. It's like, what are the odds that the first-round pick, and they gave two first-round picks, but let's say either first-round pick that they sent to Chicago, one of which has already been used and the other is, is upcoming this summer, the odds of that first-round pick, which, let's be honest, is all is in all likelihood going to be a mid-to-late first-round pick, that that player, first of all, is going to turn into Brandon Hagel. And that is an answer we do not have the answer to. And the second one, we do have an answer to. And that is that, is that player going to be Brandon Hagel now? The answer is no. <laughs> a player you draft at 18 is going to take several years before he is going to be impactful for your team. So it, it all depends on the general manager's perspective and where his organization is. For teams that are rebuilding, and the Flyers have been very outspoken about basically detailing the path for their organization out of the darkness. They're having a very good year, but both Danny Briere and John Tortorella have said, we are not going to deviate from the plan. So a team like that definitely will prioritize draft picks and be very hesitant to move them. Other teams, like the Lightning, with Julian as the GM, have basically said, I have these picks. They are, they are part of my capital <laughs> that I can use to make trades. And he certainly hasn't had any soft spot for parting with draft picks. <laughs> Clearly, he's been very aggressive. John Walton is here. John loves coming to Florida. Yes, is I this do. Your, is this your favorite trip? Yeah. Understanding we go to some great cities around the league. We do. I think Vancouver is near the top of the list for me. Uh, I will tell you that my partner in crime on the Capitals radio network, Ken Sabrin, if you were to ask him that question, he says Tampa is his undisputed number one. Wow. Uh, loves coming here. Actually, I think wants to retire here, so he may be haunting your building by the time <laughs> it's all done. Well, but he wouldn't be the only one. No, I know there's a lot of them around here. No, it's always great, especially this time of year. Uh, to be able to get to this part of the world. We go to Sunrise from here and play the Panthers on Saturday. So, yeah, not bad to be able to have a little bit of uh, little, shall we say, warmer temperatures than we might be having in the nation's capital right about now. So where are the capitals in terms of there's not going to be a player playing that's going to say we're not going to get into the playoffs. But, like, organizationally, where is – Where's the mindset now is we're a couple of weeks away from the deadline and the Capitals have a path to the playoffs, but it's going to take a pretty good finish and jumping over some teams. Yeah, I think it is a path fraught with peril at the very least. Uh, when you look at uh, a game against the Lightning, of course, here tonight, a very tough test on Saturday. You know, the Florida Panthers, uh, we've already, we saw our Florida just a couple of weeks ago down there, so uh, one in that game, and then after the uh, the game in Florida, turn around to go back at home for a tough two and two. Ottawa, who's playing better, they'll be in D.C. on Monday night, and then going to Detroit, where much like Tampa Bay, that's who the Capitals are chasing. And you've got to be able. This is a game tonight. I think that it's as close to a must win in February as you're going to have because they're just aren't. By the time that we see the Lightning again, it's going to be April in D.C. and you know, either you're coming down the, the hunt, it may mean everything or it might not mean anything. Uh, I think that's the real question. And the schedule for the Caps is not a favorable one. There is a five-game Western Canadian trek, 
and that is as hard a trip now as maybe there is in the league, not in just in terms of geography, but in terms of distance and in terms of winning percentage because you've got Winnipeg and you've got Vancouver and you've got Edmonton and you're crossing the border. It's a two and two in Edmonton, Seattle, and then come back to see the Canucks and then finish in Calgary. So that's going to be a tough one. I mean, this team has played better. Do they have what it takes to get over three teams? That's a real question. Uh, you've got not just the points where, you know, Detroit's playing tonight against Colorado and the Capitals are here. So right now it's six. It was eight. Uh, you can't let it slip back to eight. You've got to be able to keep your foot to the floor. And that's the real question. Uh, every game, everybody in the room talks about, oh, it's playoffs already. Yeah, it, it is really because uh, any time that you're not getting two points, somebody else is. And that's just one more date off the calendar. So uh, they're going to have to keep going in this game tonight and, and certainly everyone moving forward here if they want to have a shot. John, why has it been an up-and-down year for Washington? Is it just from a, a talent perspective? It, it, it's not what it was before? Is it just competition, the the parity in today's game? What do you make of uh, the highs and lows for, for Washington? Yeah, it, it's been, I think, age has caught up with this team uh, from where, if you can think back to 2018 and, and being here in the third round, uh, the most – one of the most dynamic teams the Capitals have had, but I think a lot would argue that the 2015, 2016, 2017 were probably more in the window of, yeah, this that's when the Caps were at their best. They just didn't get out of the second round. It was the team at 18 that found a way to do it, and everything seemed to break right. But, you know, since then, the Capitals haven't won a playoff series. And, you know, last time they won was when they were lifting the Cup. So uh, a lot of time has passed. It's an aging core. Uh, you've got you know, Alex Ovechkin's 38. He got off to a really rough start, much, much better lately. Uh, he and Dylan Strom and TJ Oshie have really kind of found the fountain of youth here a little bit, at least for the guys on the wing. Strom has done a terrific job this year and uh, probably their most valuable player, at least on the offensive side. But it's been getting kids into the lineup like Connor McMichael and Alexei Protus, and they kind of hit the wall at midseason. They've been better lately. Uh, you've got a guy like Nick Dowd in the, the checking line, which – has been very good, a lot of D-zone draws, but now Dowd out of the lineup, won't play tonight here against the Lightning. So uh, defensively, they've been a team that's been, by and large, okay. John Carlson has had, uh, given his veteran status, he's actually going to tie Kelly Johansson on Saturday for the most games played by a D-man in Caps history. So obviously some mileage there, uh, but he's been very good and logs a ton of minutes, only Drew Dowdy has more. But you've got a team that has, the, the goaltending's been all right, uh, Charlie Lindgren's been very good, uh, but they're trying to find their way, and everybody wants to try and quote-unquote rebuild on the fly. That's not easy. And trying to find younger, faster guys. Michael Scarbosa has come up and, and done a nice job for this team and created a little more forecheck pressure. The team just isn't very fast. That's the problem. They don't have a lot of foot speed, and they've tried to get a guy like Sonny Milano and bringing him in last year and getting Scarbosa in the lineup recently and Rasmus Sandin at the trade deadline last year to try and get faster on the back end. But it takes time. And, you know, the Capitals, if they do not weather this next week to 10 days well, will be sellers at the deadline. I don't think there's any question about that. If they can keep getting points and stay around, it would be very valuable for these young guys, the McMichaels, the Protuses, even the Sandines, to be able to get that playoff experience, even if it's a one and done. I think it would be very valuable for them. But uh, I think that's the real question. Do they have enough to get in? And we'll find out here in the next week to 10 days. For much of the year, the Capitals were a top-10 defensive team. They were when the Lightning saw them in late December. 
and it's been kind of curious, and then they've struggled to score a lot. Yes, big <laughs> and time. And it's almost like in the last few weeks, the dynamic has changed where the Caps are now allowing more, and I see the Caps are 15th defensively. So they dropped out of the top 10, but they're also scoring more. Like Ovechkin has eight goals in his last eight games. So what has been going on there that they're not quite as tight defensively, but more pucks are going in? Yeah, it, it defensively, I think when you look at this team, and I, I think if you don't see Washington every day and you think about this overwhelming offense that they had in the middle of the last decade and going all the way through, uh, really up until recent times, it wasn't just Ovechkin. Oshie was a 30-goal guy. Nick Backstrom was doing his thing. Again, Kuznetsov was brilliant in the playoffs in 18. A lot of guys who made big-time offensive contributions. That's not this team anymore. They got to win two to one and three to two. That's how they win, and they were doing it in large part in the first half. Yes, the defense was pretty good, but Charlie Lindgren was this team's first half MVP when he played. He didn't give up much, and he was right at the very top of the list. He's regressed a little bit, uh, but at the turn of the calendar, he was second in the league in save percentage. Only Aiden Hill in Vegas was better, and that was the biggest part of keeping them in games, winning games they, quite frankly, had no business winning most nights, and, and he did an unbelievable job. Uh, he's regressed a little bit, uh, but still very good. A save percentage It's still seventh in the league, and they weren't scoring goals. 30th in the league, and San Jose and Chicago are the only two teams that score fewer than Washington, which would probably amaze people if you're not really keeping an eye on the Caps day-to-day because you know you think Ovechkin, you think all the goals. That's just not the way this team is. They know, and Spencer Carberry has said, they have to win games low scoring. If you get into a track meet with... You know, even with Tampa Bay, uh, you know, if the Lightning are going and, and want to run with, with Kucherov and company and Braden Point, who's obviously such a dynamic skater, that's not a game the Capitals can play. And if they get sucked into that, things go poorly. They have to, like they did against New Jersey the other night and Jack Hughes and all the offense that that team generates off the rush, they did a great job of being able to mitigate that, trying to get into the zone. They really didn't get much going other than just perimeter chances most of the night. That's how they win games, and that's how they've gotten a little bit more offense by going to the front of the net, getting pucks in. They score most of their goals from 10 feet or less, getting to the goal crease and and tips and things. Strom's very good at that. Oshie's very good at that. Ovechkin, we've even seen do that. Uh, So that's where they get a lot of their offense from, and it's gotten a little bit better. A power play was awful at the beginning of the season. And since January 1st, they're 22 23%. So uh, better, much better uh, than they were. So a change and evolution over time, but you know, still a team that struggles a lot of times to get more than two, three goals a night. John Walton joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. It's curious, John, I think every franchise that's had a really good run has to sometimes face those questions. Do you retool, rebuild? What do you do? And how do the star players react to their team not being as competitive as they once were. I think Washington may be in that boat. I think Pittsburgh's certainly in that boat. How do you think the Stars are handling where this team is right now and potentially rebuilding, retooling a little bit while they're still under contract? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I'm glad you brought up Pittsburgh because, I mean, the Penguins and the Capitals have been in lockstep for about 15 years and were maybe the class of the Eastern Conference through the middle of the last decade and then, of course, Tampa Bay into that conversation too. But the philosophy last year at the trade deadline was pretty different. Pittsburgh was still of a mind, hey, go out and buy. Let's get Mikhail Grandlin in here and let's go. It wasn't the right move, and I think they regret that now. They've got contracts that are tall, and the Capitals have kind of pivoted, I think, a little bit sooner where they, they traded Garnet Hathaway and they traded Dmitry Orlov, and they, uh, you know, in trading Lars Eller. I mean, you, you were able to 
come to find assets, bring in Erasmus Sandin, and start to pivot. It's difficult, and I think for any team as you're trying to do that, uh, you're going to have some hits and misses. But I think the Capitals, by and large, are on the right track. And if they end up selling, I would expect the same kind of path uh, this year. As for the star players, the Caps are at least in a unique position, and Pittsburgh is too a little bit with Sidney Crosby, that you know these are generational talents. And with Ovechkin chasing a hallowed record here, how do you keep that core? How do you keep someone getting in the puck, him scoring and the Capitals winning and chasing Wayne Gretzky and looking for 895? And you know, that's the imbalance, too. Uh, you know, that's these were contracts signed. Nick Backstrom was signed for that same reason. And, you know, I mean, Nicky has obviously found, you know, a lot more physical pain and trouble that he just hasn't been able to come back from. Alex, for the most part, keeps on humming. A little bit better now shooting. And now, as you said, Mesh, eight goals in eight games. Uh, but you're trying to balance that, too. And, you know, I think where they are is that for the next two years, they're not going to go all in, rip it down to the studs like Chicago a couple of years ago. They're not going to do that. But you are going to, when you have the opportunity, if Anthony Mantha or Nick Dowd or Joel Edmondson and guys that could certainly help a, a playoff team, and if you're not going to be in it, then you can utilize that for assets and then kind of see where things go, I think. Last one for me, John. A, a minor league team success You'd like to think it always equates to, ooh, the big club is going to get great. They have this great minor league team. Lightning saw that when Norfolk won 28 straight in 2012, and a lot of the players and the coach ended up coming up and having a huge impact at the NHL level. It doesn't always translate that way, though. But I wanted to ask you about our former employer, the, the Hershey Bears, who won the Calder Cup last year. And they are just tearing up the AHL this year. Uh, I look, they're 39-9-3 and three <laughs> through 51 games. So what does this mean for the Capitals? Like, how have the Bears done it? And does this bode well for the Capitals? Or is it is it not a direct line from the minor league team to the major league team? It bodes well better this year than last, I think. It was a very strange. I, I was uh, We covered a lot of the Bears' playoff run. We were in Coachella for the, the final. We were in the Eastern Conference final in Rochester. And the Bears were a lot like what the Capitals are this year. They won three to two games, won nothing games. Hunter Shepard was terrific. We've seen him play for the Caps a little bit this year. Small, somewhat unorthodox goaltender. But he just wins and found a way to get an overtime Game 7 win. I think what we saw last year was Protus and McMichael, especially those two. Beck Malenstein to a lesser extent, but still very much you know, on the fourth line with his team where they, they learned how to win. It really furthered their development, and then they were able to step into roles on a, on a regular level here. What Hershey is this year is they're as you said, a juggernaut. Like they may set an AHL record for the best win percentage ever by the time it's done. And the Bears had some pretty good teams there on my watch. They did on yours too, uh, but this team is on another level. And they they brought in a guy like Ethan Frank, who is a he was an AHL contract signed by the Capitals last year. Uh, Pierre Dubé, who is now with Washington, he's not going to play against the Lightning tonight, but he may very well play against the Panthers on Saturday. Well, there's a scoop because you told me earlier he was going to be. Yeah, there. found out very different. So you, <laughs> you, you never know what you might hear here. Uh, he's uh, yeah, we thought we were going to see him, but Nicholas Abeykubel still be in tonight, okay. uh, and he may get the game. Uh, they're going to give him a game to watch. So, uh, but these guys they want to get a look at Clay Stevenson, a big goaltender, college free agent out of Dartmouth, who. Uh, very impressive uh, already in, in setting Hershey rookie records this year and an imposing figure and a guy that may very well 
uh, be a goalie here in Washington. They certainly have him on that track. And More of a Gallagher. prospect than Shepard then. Very, I, I think so, yeah. He's, uh, Stevenson, younger, he's definitely more in the prospect range than Shepard is. But right now, you're again, learning on the fly, and a lot of these guys won already, and now they want to try and go back-to-back. They're a better team. They're just on fire. They score at will. They get great goaltending. They get great defense. Todd Nelson does such a great job down on the farm coach. He came in last year and won. Uh, may very well have it. got a deep run in him, you'd think, again here, too. Uh, but a lot of those guys, I mean, Ethan Frank's going to get time in Washington, especially post-trade deadline. If the caps are sellers, a lot of these guys are going to get time here. Uh, a little bit of a cup of coffee, see what happens. And, uh, you know, they are going to be a part of this team, I think, moving forward. A, a good handful of them. And they've no better places, you know, Mish, to be able to, uh, if you're not going to be in the NHL, you want to be in Hershey. And uh, they've certainly take advantage of that. John, last one for me. What do you just make of the Eastern Conference in general? Who looks like the team to beat? Is it Florida? I think it's Florida. I, and Boston is still very good, but I look at the Panthers. We were just there a couple of weeks ago, and the it was the dad's trip, the mentor's trip for the Caps, so they came out really well. Got 13 shots in the first period. Florida wasn't quite ready for it. They just have a swagger of a team that says, you know what, even if they don't have it, they're going to find a way. It reminds me of the Caps, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 in that run, and and certainly Tampa Bay in, the, in their heyday and winning back-to-back and all of that. I mean, that's there are teams that you just look at and say, yeah, they know how to win. And I think getting to the final last year, they snuck up on teams last year. They're not going to do that this year. Uh, but I really like their team. I think Boston's going to be in the mix. Carolina is a weird team to me. They're good. They're fast. The Caps have their hands full with the speed whenever they meet. Uh, I don't know about the goaltending, and I think that's going to be a big question for them. Inside the division, the Rangers are good, but I don't think they're not in Florida's class. I don't think there's any team in the Metro. And for that matter, I think the Atlantic's taken five teams. I mean, if Detroit does what they're doing and they're able to keep it moving, it's going to be really tough for more than three teams in the Metro to get in. Philadelphia has surprised. Uh, John Tortorella's done a terrific job there. No real surprise. I mean, just the identity that he's brought there. Uh, we see them a couple more times. We get them in, a, in 10 days or so. Uh, but I, I think Florida right now. I think that's a real clear impression threat for the Capitals on Saturday night. And I, I look at the matchups in the East and say, who's going to beat that team? And I, I struggle to find one. Boston would give them a run, maybe the Rangers. But uh, in Carolina, if they get the goaltending. But Florida looks like a team that is going to be a real handful for anybody that's going to take them. I think the road's going to go through Broward County before it's all done. John, we appreciate making time for us today. Thank you, sir. All right, thanks. See you in a few right. hours, John. Yep. Getting ready for the game tonight. Lightning and Caps talking about what to expect tonight and uh, a nice overview of where yes. I think Washington is and where they're headed and he's what not deficiencies overly, they have. He's not overly rosy about their prospects to get in this year, reading between the lines. I mean, he basically said as much that with the schedule they have coming up, he is anticipating – not predicting, but anticipating that they are going to be a seller in a couple of weeks. And then those guys that he mentioned from Hershey are going to come up and get a chance to play. But we'll see. That's why they play the games. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They, mean, still have a, um, they still have a Western Canadian trip on their schedule, which is post-trade deadline. And that is yeah. turning into... Remember when the California trip used to be just running the gauntlet? <laughs> sure. You had three deep, heavy, physical teams. I'm going back a few years now when Anaheim and San Jose were and the Kings were yeah. were really tough teams and the Kings were winning Stanley Cups. Yeah, right. 
now it's kind of Western Canada. The, the way Vancouver is playing this year, Edmonton has clearly turned things around, and Calgary can bite you in the rear end. I know that they may may, yeah. may miss the playoffs, and maybe they'll be a different sort of team by the time the Caps play them because it'll be after the trade deadline. That's not an easy trip, and Winnipeg is in there too. Winnipeg is part of that trip for them. They have a tough schedule down the stretch, but many of those games will happen after the deadline. The question is, what are they going to do in terms of their record, and where are they going to be vis-a-vis the other teams in the East over the next couple of weeks? And he spelled out the schedule. They are at Lightning, at Panthers, home Ottawa, at Detroit, and a back-to-back. That's that's a tough it's run. Tough. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's t- he's very high on Florida, isn't he? I mean, a lot of teams, a lot of people are. They don't appear to have many or any weaknesses. What would be their weakness? Goaltending, but even then, I mean, is it is that still a question mark? You think? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, Bobrovsky showed in the playoffs last year that he can play at an extremely high level. Yeah. Is he a Hall of Famer? Maybe not first ballot, but I mean, I would have to take a closer look in? at his stats. Look, he has the he has the he's individual the two, trophies, yeah, yeah two Vesnas. I mean, that's a he's big got time. very very good individual stats in terms of like not just the wins but durability. And and just switching gears here for a second, one of the most amazing things about Ovechkin, yes, the goal total is amazing. There's no question about that. His durability, he doesn't even come close to getting in the vicinity of Gretzky's goal record, if not for his ability to play basically every game every year. And the way he plays. Yeah. Like that's – now, does he block a lot of shots? <laughs> like the Greg Linelli argument, which is if you want to stay in the lineup, don't block shots. I'm not sure that Ovechkin steps in front of a lot of shots, but there's no question that he plays a very physical, engaging game. Yeah, and he has stayed remark remarkably. Is it even the right word for it? It's more than remarkable. Incredibly healthy through his career. I mean, would you say he plays a physical game? Yes, he can. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean it, maybe not quite as much now. Yeah. But certainly for the bulk of his career. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you call certain players thumpers. Like he was a thumper. And has been a thumper. All right, I'm just looking quickly at his game by game. He came into the year 0506. So over the years, here are how many games he has missed in the regular season. One, zero, zero, three, ten, three, four, zero, four, one, three, zero, zero, one, two. He missed 11 in the 2021 season, and then coming out of that, five, and then last year he missed nine. So how many how many years did I say it was double digits? One? Was there one year that he missed double-digit games? He's usually in so. like the yeah. zero to five. And we're talking about going back to 2005. We're talking about like a 19, 20-year span here. That is that is crazy. Yeah. For a guy who plays the way he plays. You know, being as big as he is too helps absorb yeah. 
that physical play. As there were well two years where he was double digits. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, one. I, I was looking at the 1920 season. They didn't play a full year that year. Right. He's had one year where he missed double-digit games. It's impressive. I mean, he's. we're going to see it tonight. And you may see... It's always fun when they these two teams play, but I, I think you can make the argument Ovechkin and Stamkos to the top two power play specialists in the last 15 years. And could you make... 15 years, it, yes. I yeah. think that there have been others. Yeah. I mean, Andrzejczyk held the record. He was a... Like, Ovechkin and Stamkos score a lot of their power play goals from the same spot. You know who else scored a lot of power play goals from that spot was Brett Hull. Yep. Righty, we forget about righty him shooter. Yeah. Yeah. But that was an earlier generation. The the thing about Stamkos and Ovechkin, I think Brian Engblom, when he was comparing the two, it was just with Ovechkin, it's just so much power. Yeah. But with Stammer, there's that precision. It's almost like a left-handed, it's like a Ken Griffey swing. It, it looks good. Also, Ovechkin's just brute force. And, and Stamkos, Stamkos has said this. He's more selective in terms of choosing to shoot. And again, I don't see Ovechkin as much as, as John does. Yeah. But there's a reason why Ovechkin tends to lead the league in shots or be close to the league leaders in shots. Because if the puck is coming to him, he's looking to shoot. Stamkos is a little more selective. Yep. Which is why he has as many assists as he does. Could you make the argument Stammer more of a complete player than Ovechkin? Uh, they're different. Maybe. They're they different. are different, yeah. but I mean, that, that's what I mean. It's it's. That's a hard one to answer. I know. I like to ask those questions. Though. And it, And it's hard to answer as well. Because, look, I'm giving Ovechkin credit for staying healthy, but some of it is luck, right? And Stamkos has missed a lot of time due to injury, and those injuries have taken a toll, not in terms of his ability to be an effective player, but he's not the same player that he was prior to these major injuries. Ovechkin, Ovechkin has not had to adjust how he plays no. Based on a broken leg or a torn meniscus or anything like that. He's been able to just go out and play his game. How many, what's the equivalent in terms of the seasons Stamkos has missed when it comes to injuries? Now you're really making me do math. One maybe, for yeah, sure well, one, Well, right? more I than mean, one, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there were two seasons. One season he only played 17 games. The other season he played 17 and then came back for maybe the last yeah. 20 so yeah i would say maybe a season and a half of the regular season he's also missed some playoff games like 2016 yeah he had that blood clot issue right at the end of the regular season sure it's i think the the two best goal scorers in the last 15 years for sure had stamkos been able to play half those games he's missed i mean you, you could be talking about a guy who's what approaching 620 630 goals yeah maybe a little less i mean that's that's i think that's fair uh do you want to get to some questions as yeah. we close out the show by the way uh milestone game for ovechkin not in this game but their next game this is game 1399 for ovechkin wow. regular season that's impressive yeah speaking of that durability
Yeah. And then all those postseason games, too. Al says, would you be surprised if Julian Brisois did nothing at the trade deadline? Yes. <laughs> I would be surprised, but I, I would think if that happens, it's not for lack of trying. As we said before John joined us, it takes two to tango. For sure. Now, maybe it could be any trade. It could be a minor league trade. It could be... How specific do you want to get, Al? Do I think he's going to make a trade that's going to try to benefit the NHL club? Yes. Will I be surprised if he doesn't do it? Yes. That's where I am. Yeah. Basil says, I try not to put too much emphasis on regular season games, but this seems like a big one. Need to right the ship. Bad to lose three at home before heading out on a tough three-game road trip. This is a team we can beat and should beat. Let's wait for it. Capitalize. <laughs> <laughs> I think Basil might have had that one in his back pocket. He was ready. He was the ready. Minute He's a the Ottawa game ended, he's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. unleash this, but oh, I'm going to yeah. wait until game day to do and it. And I'm going to wait for Greg to to set me up. <laughs> yes. And he did. And you he had did. the uh, pregnant pause there as the well. Pre- <laughs> yeah, that's right. I agree with him, though. I mean, I think the team is looking at it like a big game. I, I I think you could make the case it is a big game considering where the Lightning are in the standings. And I think more importantly, not so much where they are in the standings. I think it's just their level of play. They want to find some consistency. Yeah. I think that's probably where John Cooper is. It's I think we have a good team. On some nights we show it. On other nights we don't. I need to find that consistency. Yes. And I think that's why tonight's a big game. Look, so. we never know exactly what's going to happen in a game. I think you sometimes speak a little bit more confidently than I do because I'm sure. very, I'm very uneasy making yeah, predictions. Yeah. But there is no reason to expect the Lightning will not come out with a purpose tonight. I think well, that, if, I think that they will come out and play a spirited game. It will not be a flat game. Does that mean that they're going to win? No. Does it mean that it's going right. to be mistake free? No. Does it mean that tomorrow you and I are going to come on the show and say the Lightning really hurt themselves by doing A, B, and C, and that's why they didn't get a win? That could happen. But I think that they are going to play a spirited game based on what happened in the last game. Yeah. And I, I think they probably wanted to play a spirited game against the Panthers. It just sometimes the game unfolds a certain way. Right. And And it's tough because you can't, when that snowball effect happens, it's tough to turn that around. And the Lightning just never could get back on track in that game, and sometimes it happens. But does that mean they weren't ready for the game? They didn't view that as a big game? I'm sure they did. I said it on the air. I thought they were going to be ready to play. It's Florida. Yeah. What more do you have to say? Nick Ita Kucherov said, Capitals question. Do we think the Capitals are headed for dark times? With Ovi on the downturn, along with Oshie and others, what will the Caps do to maintain relevancy? Well, that was kind of what I was getting at asking the question about Hershey. You know, when your minor league team is winning championships and, and just tearing up the league, what does that mean for the major league club? And I think that it can help your major league club. But at the end of the day, you need game breakers. And the Caps found some when they when they elevated whatever it was. When Ovechkin came into the league, they got him, but they also got Backstrom. 
They got Mike Green, who was a big part of things, and that segued into John Carlson, who has been a top player in the NHL. You know, they acquired Oshie when he was really in his prime. I mean, he's in his late 30s now. They were able to to build it up by hitting on some players that were game breakers, including a guy you just mentioned, Greg, as, you know, a generational goal scorer, maybe the all-time leader in goals when all is said and done, if he can catch Gretzky. So it's hard to find guys like that anyway, and it's it's rare that they are down in the minors for any extended period of time. I mean, how long was Kucherov in the minors? Two months. And then he came up, right? I mean, he didn't play as much or as regularly the rest of that year, but he didn't go back to the minors. So I think in the minors, you can you can build up some really, really good players. Let's not forget, like in the Lightning example, Tyler Johnson came up from the minors. Andre Pallott came up from the minors. Alex Kalorn came up from the minors. Really good, impactful, important players for the Lightning. But when you're looking at Steven Stamkos, he didn't play one game in the minors, nor did Victor Hedman. And and you get those players really through high-end draft picks. And unless the Capitals, I mean, I don't think the Capitals are in line, unless they miss the playoffs and win the lottery, I mean, I don't think that they are going to be getting like a top five pick unless somebody slips through the cracks and you find a game-breaker a little bit lower. What do we say about the Penguins? How did the Penguins, at the end of the Lemieux era, how did they get to be elite? They had four years where they picked either first or second. (laughs) And you add them up. Marc-Andre Fleury, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Jordan Stahl. I understand. Jordan Stahl wasn't there as long. But... That's how you turn three things out of those, around. Yeah. <laughs> three out of those four guys are going to the Hall of Fame. And Jordan Stahl was their key a defensive really good centerman when they yeah. when they won the 09 Cup. So think about that. I mean that yeah, right. that's like you're not how do you find, rebuild on steroids? <laughs> yeah, but I mean you're not gonna find guys yeah, like right. that 25th no. in the first round. You're not. No. So was it Basil who asked the question or whoever asked the question about the Capitals? Nikita. Look, yeah, Nikita, sorry. Uh Ovechkin <laughs> is gonna hang around through the end of his contract and yeah. look to break that record. And if it takes him longer than the end of the contract, he may want to stay and 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 play until he can get to 895. What does that mean for the rest of the Capitals team? They have to build it up best they can. And maybe it's a little bit by hook or by crook, but you really need game breakers. That's what it boils down to. I thought you were going to break out into your you're seen from rounders kids go to alligator blood <laughs> keeps hanging around check 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 <laughs> look great at you you're one of the great lines you're like no, Connor McGahey dropping the movie I references wish. the no, avalanche broadcaster yeah i wish so look it's 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 a great ride up when that window is opening yeah. that may be the most fun hockey fans have when the team exceeds expectations and gets yeah, good, mm-hmm. but it is a it is a tough road down, and it's kind of like, are we going to get back to where we were? Look at Detroit. I mean, Detroit was there for so long, and they've had a hard time building this thing back up. 
Look at Chicago. Yeah, and you Will know what's Chicago interesting get too? back to where they were? Yeah. The thing about it is it's interesting with the – you mentioned Detroit. They kind of got caught in that boat, though, too, towards the end of they Zetterberg and, yep. and Datsuk, where they were they, they like got into the playoffs, but they just – that's all they had. Yeah. And so that's – And to I an extent, Lidstrom, too. Now, yeah, he was sure. – his game didn't really dip at all. I think he retired before we could see it in his play. But, you know, they won the Cup in 08. They made the final in 09. When did Lidstrom retire? 2012, 2013? I mean, they didn't really do much in those last few years. Yeah. Where he was still playing at a really high level. Mm-hmm. By the way, Steve just texted us before we sign off. Or he just texted me. 44 years ago today, right? Do you believe in miracles? Is that... Uh... Yes. February 22nd. Game was shown on tape delay. I can't believe that, but in many ways, I, I guess I can. Good well, stuff. it was played Thanks, at dude. like 4 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. And then the, the part of the story that most people know, but a lot of people forget, or maybe they don't know, they did the Olympics in a strange way yeah. then. So there were, there were two semifinal games, essentially, where the top four teams played each other and that that USA USSR game was just one of the two, and then I think it was Finland and Sweden. And so to get the gold, the U.S. had to beat Finland in the, in the next game. Yeah, and I don't even think that that I can't remember. It wasn't as clear as that was the gold medal game, even though the U.S. won it and got the gold. But it was like people think, oh, they beat the USSR to win the gold. No, talk about having to bounce back. Whatever it was, a couple of days later. For sure. There is a story. I think Mike Ruzioni, the captain of that team, told the story. If you ever watch the movie Miracle, I think that they, mm-hmm. they include a documentary about the team. And this, I remember watching this in the documentary. And Mike Ruzioni said, Herb Brooks, the coach of that team, addressed them before the game against Finland. And as he's walking out of the room, he said, if you lose this game, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. He paused, and then he said, the rest of your bleeping life, and walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you he was right, beating though. the he USSR was right, and then losing to I Finland know. and not getting the yeah. gold? I know. Yeah. It's a great point. It's a great quote. Yeah. Movie. Love it. Partner, great job. I'll talk to you tonight. Yes. We'll do it again tomorrow. And we'll have power lunch setting. tomorrow. Yeah. Should be a lot of fun. Steve Ersnick, thanks to you. We always uh, appreciate your expertise mr walton who joined us as well radio voice of the caps we appreciate him who hopped on to break down the game tonight from the washington capitals perspective pregame 6 30 tonight puck drops at seven you've been listening to power lunch on lightning radio